The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, October 30th, 2023. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Dan Rubin. A lot to get into. Um, let's start with good. Uh, great, really. Let's start with this defense being elite. Um, they continue to prove it week after week after week after week. This is one of the best Ohio State defenses I've ever seen. I'm not saying it's the best. Maybe at the end of the year we, we might can have that discussion. It's certainly one of the best that I've seen. Um, kudos to Jim Knowles. Kudos to uh, you know th- this junior class. Not just the juniors. You have guys like Josh Proctor. They're shown out as a six-year senior. Um, hopefully, late the ransoms. Ransoms okay, Dan. But uh, a lot to unpack there. But this defense is elite. Yeah, I've realized, and uh, I had thought of this kind of Saturday after the game, and then Bax's bucket uh, kind of hit on this. This is now time I need to now adjust my Ohio State sensibilities for this season. Do you remember when Tom Herman first got here and they first got the offense like that modern cranked up like it was a revelation? Remember, they were just crushing teams offensively. And it got to the point where we said, look, if the other team can't score 30 points, they don't even have a chance. There's no chance. Well, that was when you had a ridiculously dominant offense. Now we're back to having that, but it's flipped. There was never a point in the game against Wisconsin where I thought they were going to lose. Not one second. Not one second of the game. And it's that same confidence I used to get from the offense knowing, look, they can hold us off for a little bit, but there's going to be a stretch of the third quarter where it's going to be touchdown, 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 and they're going to lose. The defense, while it's not as – I don't know if you're comparing the feeling of offense versus defense. It's not as exciting maybe – and not as purely lack of stress, but it is the same vibe I used to get. Like, I knew we were going to win that game at Wisconsin. I used to really have a great feeling with the offense knowing they would do that, but I realized it's the defense that makes me feel that way. Like, I know that feeling in my stomach when I think we're going to lose, or when I feel it start to slip away. Or, like, I'll give you an example. When I'm at a soccer game with my sons walking on the sideline with an earphone in, and I yell out in a quiet moment when Kyle McCord throws an interception, this blanking guy, 
the second one drove me crazy. I'm not going to lie. Um, but even when he threw that or when he threw the first interception in the end zone, my biggest concern was, oh, this is cosmetically going to look bad afterwards. It wasn't, oh, they're going to scramble and beat us now. So that is an, uh, a complete and total endorsement of the defense, that feeling of confidence and such. And now having it come on the heels of the last two postseasons when, you know, the other team was playing Sega for a while, it looked like, is bizarre. But the numbers back it up. Um, the talent level backs it up, too. These are not uh, players that came in unhighly, uh, not highly ranked and someone has, like, resurrected them. They're playing to their potential now. Uh, they just the defense really did not play to its ranking potential for several years, and and now you see what happens, and it's wonderful. Yeah, I mean that the super juniors on that D line, specifically JT Tumaloal and Tyleek Williams, have just played yeah. great football and just continue. I mean, JT looks like he, you know, the five star that we hoped he would be. Jack Sawyer. Still, uh, you know, he's getting there. He's getting there, but um, still. I have know, a feeling Jack. Desired sometimes. Yeah, I interrupted Dave for the first time. Those of you, those of you at home, drink. Um, Jack's, <laughs> I think. Drinking. No, I'm interrupting you. <laughs> Jack is probably better than, I'll bet coaches like Jack's tape better than fans. Coaches love pressures. They love guys following their assignments and stuff like that. And he does not have the gaudy sack numbers. He's not the third Bosa brother. But uh, he's a very good football player. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some huge game this year down the stretch and he breaks through and has like a two-sack game at the most important time because uh, Karma's will help him out. All right, let's talk about Kyle McCord. Um, I don't know, man. As soon as I'm thinking, well, you know, he's just a guy, he kind of starts slow, but then he like, turns it on in the second half, which he kind of did against Wisconsin. But there was just too much bad. It wasn't like there was a few things bad, and then, but then he really played great in the second half. It was like that can't happen, that can't happen, that definitely can't happen. And then, even when he played, the numbers look better than what they really should. I'll just put it that way. And it does help when you have the best player in college football that you're throwing the ball to. We'll get to Heisman odds in just a minute. We talked about that on last week's show. How Marv was a big time uh, uh, long shot, not so much of a long shot anymore. Anyway, um, I don't know, man. I mean. They can win a national championship with Kyle McCord thanks to this defense, but it leaves like very little, you know, margin for error. Kyle McCord needs to play better. There's just no doubt about it in my mind. It's a weird situation to me. Uh, most quarterbacks who who make the mistakes he does don't look as good as they look the other times. It's not an arm strength thing. You know what right. I'm saying? Like. <laughs> You could put together a highlight package of McCord this year, and if you just kind of took out the bad plays, you think he was going to win the Heisman Trophy. He makes great plays. It's very bizarre to me. Like the pass and the throw to the end zone. I would have yelled at my son for that in, in like third, fourth grade. That's a hard – which makes no sense because he doesn't – make those mistakes at other times, you know what I'm saying? And other times he's very clutch. Um, I, it's, I find it very fa fascinating. It's not the right word. It's disturbing at times. He, he's, he doesn't look like most quarterbacks I don't like having, but then he just seems to have brain cramps. I, I would like to know on a couple of them. Uh, look, 
We don't know the play that was called. We don't, I don't have the all 22. Uh, I don't know if the receivers all ran the right routes. So in some respect, you've got to have, take everything with a grain of salt, but let's just take the one in the ends. Like for example, the second one was maddening when he threw it in the middle of the field. But I don't know if that, I don't know what the play call was. God forbid Marv ran the wrong route. The earth didn't rotate off its axis. So I doubt that's true. Um, but the, the first one, there was just no need for it. Throw it away. There's no need. And against a team like Wisconsin, where three points is like 10, it just didn't make any sense. So I, I don't really have a great answer for the McCord thing. There are times when I, when I have total confidence in him, he looks great. And there are times he looks like he hasn't played at all. Most quarterbacks don't play like that. Their, their highs aren't as high. And their lows aren't as low. I mean, the, the drive at Notre Dame is legendary. And he made some really tough throws. But then he does the game against Wisconsin, man. Holy, those both those throws were like he had an alien inhabit his body. And they were terrible. So I, I, I don't have a great answer for this. I, I'm not going to sit here and say McCord is going to keep us from the national championship just because I've seen enough good from him. His pedigree is there. This is And, Ryan, and here's another thing. Ryan Day chose this guy. When it comes to quarterbacks, I am like total. Who am I to argue with Ryan Friggin Day over JJ McCarthy? He had his pick I'm of saying. those two. I'm not. He had his pick of those two. That story is still to be written, but right now to say JJ's in the lead would be a vast understatement. And that you know that was that's an evaluation thing. Now he's allowed to get one wrong every now and then. He handpicked CJ Stroud when he was still a three star when he had Jack Miller, this five star at the time in the class. It was like I want that CJ Stroud guy. Turns out that was pretty good. We all knew Justin Fields, you know, he was the number one player in the country, number two player, I guess, behind Trevor Lawrence. But um, so McCool, oh, Ryan, he was able to go say, no, I don't want Tate Martell. I want Justin Fields. Boom. That wasn't like no doubt. Then he, yeah. he handpicked CJ Stroud. But I don't know, man. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I see a lack of pocket awareness out of Kyle McCord. Um, I don't see him stepping up in the pocket. Basic things. People saying, well, you know, he's twice as good as Craig Krenzel as a passer, no doubt about it. What would Krenzel do, though? You know, double-digit times in the national championship game, stepping up and running. Um, you know, I love seeing McCord step up that one time and run the ball. He, he's got to be at least somewhat of a threat. Just watch the Bengals game yesterday and how many back-breaking first downs Joe Burrow had. Um, just just crushed the 49ers. Now, he was also elite passing, but it just you have to be able to – move the chains and get cheap first downs. They did it one time, but man, I, I, and maybe it's his ankle injury. He re-injured it on that, you know, on that, uh, that aforementioned scramble. But uh, so maybe it is the ankle injury, but man, he, he drops way back. He doesn't step into his throws. He throws off his back foot. He doesn't step up in the pocket nearly enough. And I, it's, I know it's not Ryan day. Ryan day is not teaching any of that. You can see, I know you can see it, Dan. You can see Ryan Day chewing him out a lot during games. Mm -hmm. Like he, you can tell that Day's pissed off. I wonder also. I mean, uh, Ohio State's offensive line from last year was just. There's no argument. It was better. Your left tackle and your right tackle are starting in the NFL day one, and not even. I don't think either one was even involved in any type of competition. I think Dewan Jones. Conklin got hurt. And that's why Dewan Jones got in there. But oh, so sorry. Go ahead. That's an, that's an excellent yeah. point. I think if you let's put it this way, if you're going to rank them against other rookie tackles, you could make an argument they're two of the most advanced that came into the league this past year. You wouldn't make the argument for the two that they have now. Josh Fires, come on. But uh, 
I do think he looks to me like a guy he doesn't trust his protection at times. Um, the quick intentional grounding is not does not come from someone who thinks things are going to go well on that play. Um, that's a bailout. So um, I'm making excuses for him a little bit here, but I also think it makes a difference. And I want to make sure I say this out loud because I've been tough on the guy. That's the best game I've ever seen Trevion Henderson play um, without question. Yes. He's been had more statistically good games, but my problem with Henderson has not look, anyone can see he's the fastest squattiest running back you've ever seen who can be shot out of a cannon. Even his touchdown run, if you look, it didn't break any tackles. You know, some arms get on him, but he runs in a straight line. He was way more shifty last night. Um, he was shifty in the hole. His his vision looked better. He just looked ready two to play. Ago. Yeah, two nights um, ago. Yeah. I don't want people to think he plays about that way the rest of the season. That's a major difference for the offense. I thought he was the second best player on the field. Um, and I'm not sure I've said that about him since his freshman year. So I want to give kudos to him, especially because I've been very tough on him. If he plays like that every game, there's no need. Dallin Hayden would not be discussed, okay? If Trey stayed healthy and played like that every game, we wouldn't be asking for a shiftier halfback. Because you see the difference when he's back there. That makes a major, major difference. Absolutely. All right, uh, college football playoff rankings come out tomorrow. I'm seeing a lot of people in the media who sometimes people, I think Buckeye fans are not big fans of at times, yeah. predicting the Ohio State will be number one in the college football playoff rankings. I, I tend to agree with that. I won't be surprised if it's Georgia, but you just look at resume this year, which technically that's what they're supposed to do. They're not even supposed to like recognize the fact that Georgia's defending national champions, but these are humans on the committee. Um, I believe unless they have somebody that's that's just an AI uh, robot on the committee now, I have no idea. But um, listen, man, I think it will be Ohio State number one. But again, it won't shock me if it's Georgia one, Ohio State two, Florida State three. I saw Heather Dinich predict Michigan will be fifth. She had Ohio State first and Michigan fifth because of strength of schedule. Ohio State's wins over Notre Dame and Penn State. It's going to look great to the committee. My only question is, will they be one or two, Mr. Rubin? I would be with you in that I would – be comfortable with a coin flip on that. I can see it both ways. I do wonder if how dominant Georgia looked against Florida, which while it's not Florida anymore, it's still a brand name. They were so impressive in that game. I wouldn't be surprised if they're ranked number one, but uh, I echo the center of those who say this is largely a television show. And you know, if you're Ohio state, that's not going to be your, your future is not going to be determined by this committee. You're in control of your own destiny. Right. So uh, they'll be in the top two, which will be sweet. Um, I definitely have become a Penn state and Notre Dame fan and did not enjoy watching boy, Drew Aller. That's a talented kid, but you want to talk about someone seeing ghosts. I felt bad for the kid in the first half. He's got a, he's got a, a baby face still and being the uh, sympathetic fan than I am. Good Lord for an Ohioan. I, I do like to see him thrive. And he, I guess he did at the end, but um, Notre Dame looked really good. They looked really good. Like as good as Notre Dame has looked to me in, in some time. So those two teams winning, you know, uh, doing well throughout the stretch is great. Let's not be reliant upon Maryland. Thank you very little. Yeah, my goodness. Ohio State broke another team. Apparently they broke Clemson in 2020. I think they okay. broke Maryland this year. My gosh. Didn't see that. I mean, I didn't. It, it doesn't shock me because Mike Loxley. I know like New Mexico. It's, it's a very tough place to win, and that's that's putting it mildly. But like 
seriously, you go to New Mexico and you're there for three years and you have three total wins. I mean, come on. That's what Mike Loxley did at New Mexico. Uh, again, a tough place to win, but you got to win more than three games in three years combined. So um, Maryland just falling apart at the, uh, at the seams here. Okay. Last week's show, we're talking about Marvin. We're like, what's going on? I wrote about it. You brought it up on the show. Didn't even know I was writing about it. like, you're like Marvin should be like the front runner for the Heisman. I'm like, well, he's like a, right now he's a dark horse. He's like a long shot. You look at the, you look, you get on the, your, your betting app and 35 to one odds for Marvin at this time last week, Dan, as you know, well, that's up to 12 to one as of yesterday. And I think depending on your, uh, you know, your app of choice, I think it's about 10 to one now. So it's going up, 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 up. You got Joel Klatt talking about it. I think it really started with Dan Rubin really promoting it. But uh, yeah, I'm with you now. Yeah, we had the agree-disagree game. I'm, I'm going to agree. The winner of Ohio State-Michigan, um, whoever wins that game, if JJ wins, then he'll win the Heisman. If Ohio State wins, then Marvin's going to win the Heisman. I'm with you. Yeah, here's how I came to the uh... – the realization last week that this was going to be the way it went down. And I do appreciate Joel Klatt. I'm a fan of Joel Klatt. Uh, I watched that later that day. It was either later that day or maybe, I don't know, Next it was day. in his first day of the week show. But I definitely yeah. checked the timestamp because he's one of those guys people are going to come back and get on and be like, oh, you got that from Joel Klatt. No dice. That was a, a David. He, uh, he got it from you. Right? He got it from I'm you. Not, I'm not going to say that and go viral. Um, but – he did make some great points that I, that I, you know, had said before, which is that it's about stage, but the number one thing is Caleb Williams is not going to win it. And Drake may is not going to win it. Okay. I do think people are going to have a hard time voting over those voting anybody else over Marvin. And I know they don't vote based on the draft, but I don't think anybody would really argue now that Marvin's the best player in the country. It's pretty rare for a commentator to come out and just say flat out, this is the best player in the country. And it now happens in every game um, Marv plays in. The commentator hasn't seen him in a couple of weeks. Todd Blackledge at some point in time goes, look, I know what I'm seeing. This is the best player in the country. Um, and it's obvious. And then you add in the other like ancillary facts. One, he's a, he's already a household name before he took the field. His, Marvin Harrison is not a hard name for anyone in North Dakota to remember. OK, so for voters on the West, he's probably going to carry a little bit more than he would if his name was, you know, Dan Rubin. Uh, <laughs> he also has the stage and that um, I don't see anyone. No one else has statistically blocked. There's no running back at Iowa State running for twenty five hundred yards this year. Uh, there's no one else who's who's captured the national uh, thrust. And then you have everything building towards this game. And I hate to say this, the Michigan scandal probably helps Marv too. And then it put more eyeballs on the game. And there are probably some voters that don't like the fact that the quarterback of said team, who may be the major opposition, may have a shady past. So I'll just leave it there for you, Dave. What a great segue. The other, we have, you know, the dual headline. We already talked about where Ohio State's going to be in the college football playoff rankings. We talked about things not even in the headline. Um, now we're going to move on to. The U of M cheating scandal. Okay. If you had to bet your house. Which I now, mean. this is presuming this is not a massive presumption. This is presuming they will get the hammer or they will get punished in some uh, respect. They're going to get the hammer, by the way, my friends. Do you think it will happen during this season or after this season? This is a – keep in mind, 
I look at buck nuts, okay? And as I've said many times, it's not buck rational observers. And I, and I don't claim to be the most unbiased person on the earth, Dave. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> I don't think they're going to get hammered during the season to everybody's satisfaction, okay? It does not mean I don't think they cheated. That does not mean I don't think they deserve punishment. The question was, what do I think actually will happen this year to Michigan's football team in terms of punishment? I don't think – so the major thing that comes up is, will the uh, the Big Ten do anything and then the college football playoff do anything? I, I don't know, man. This feels like unprecedented or uncharted waters to me. Um, it's – Yes, in the past, the NCAA can rule on stuff. We didn't have cell phones back then even, man. Things in general moved a lot more slowly back then. It was an investigation, and you didn't know who did this. They know now. I mean, they have – you can't get away with anything anymore, man. Don't be committing crimes with a phone. It's Cops are just phone searchers now. You're not going to get away with it. So they have stuff they can actually show us. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not anecdotal evidence. It's not going to be a witness – it's going to be video. Um, ask Ray Rice, Ray Rice if video is impactful, okay? It changes everything. So right. I, uh, I would hedge no during the season, but nothing would surprise me. Um, and I will say this. When, when you get in trouble and everybody is worried about who turns you in and not the crime, that's, you're in trouble. That's classic. Uh, I'm from Washington, D.C. That's classic, classic Washington, D.C. Kill the messenger and then uh, send someone else with a rat scurry away from you to other rats. It's all I want to say is this. They better win these next few games. I cannot imagine the backlash on Michigan if they lose one of their next few games before the game. It will invalidate the last. It will invalidate the entire Harbaugh era. But if they lose to Purdue, and listen, I'm no way saying I think that will happen. Did I send David a text saying I put $1,000 towards it just for the comedy value? That may have happened. But I'd watch it. if they do, I can't even put into words the backlash. It'll ruin their program. Because I hope they understand this. No matter, And here's what I would say this. I think Ohio State fans will like this part. No matter what happens now, no matter what, it's, they're stained. They're the Astros. No matter when you – if you're a Michigan fan, a grad, and you bring it up at a party, at a cocktail party, and you're having a conversation with one of your Michigan friends off to the side, the drunk guy who comes up to you, first thing he says is a joke at your expense, okay, <laughs> for the rest of your life. You're not getting that back. Um, and then Harbaugh is going to be gone, and so it's going to be stained. So no matter what happens, um, they've stained their program for life. I agree. I don't think anything will happen until after the season. Um, I tell you what, I mean, we haven't had anything major break lately, but that Washington Post story from last week and, and a bunch of other stuff as well makes me think there's a chance something could happen during the season. That's why I wanted to bring it up. But, yeah, if I had to bet, I, I think it'll be after the season. But, again, I, I think this is not going to be minor infractions. They're going to get hammered. Um, what exactly that entails, I'm not sure, but I I, I feel confident saying they they will get the hammer. Um, not death penalty, nothing like that, but you know, they're going to get, I believe this is Harbaugh's final year at Michigan. I have no doubt about that. Um, 
That's going to be interesting, man. Yeah, go ahead. One point on the Washington Post, and I'll tell you this. You do not want the New York Times and the Washington Post coming for your ass, okay? It's different than, no offense, Dave and Dan at Bucknuts coming for you, okay? We don't have the resources. I'm from the Washington, D.C. area, and people don't remember this, but there used to be a time we didn't have cell phones. You used to have something on your desk called caller ID, and a name. You, you'd get a phone call, and a name would come across so you know who's calling you. John Thompson, the, the older one, the real one, had a radio show in D.C., and there was a reporter at the Washington Post named Mark Asher, who's since passed. And he'd said, if you get caller ID and Mark Asher's name comes up, put your house on the market. You're going down, okay? The Post does not get involved in national stories until they're coming to take you out. So uh, I don't know who wrote that story. Was it Eric Prisbell or someone like that? But they're in trouble now. Once you get the national media, they're going to find something. This has now become like a bounty for a lot of young, hungry journalists who are trying to make a name for themselves. You don't need bucknuts to do this, people. This is a national vibe now. They are in real trouble. Woodward and Bernstein. Yep. It's uh, and you're right. It's like um, not that they're trying to outdo each other, but it is almost like it feels like a contest. You know, you have you know Yahoo's on it. You know, Dellinger and some of those guys. Um, obviously, ESPN with Pete Thamel's on it. Washington Post's on it. Um, I'm not sure if the New York Times slash the Athletic. I'm not sure how much they're on it, um, but I'm sure they're on it. But yeah, you're right. The Washington Post getting involved in this, and that was the most detailed and some of the most salacious stuff so far, of course, because that's how they do it. Oh boy! And I get that this is going to end. Believe me, and I know this is going to happen because everything else does. It'll turn into a political discussion because of the Post, and the Post has an obvious lean. I get it. To get a job at the Washington Post as a reporter, you need to be a ninja. You need to be a thoroughbred. Trust me on this. You may not like their political affiliations, but they are the the nerds that stay up late and make every last call and stuff. You're toast if they come after you. I'm telling you, bad scene for them or a good scene, depending on how you look at it. Let's hope it's a good scene in Piscataway. Um, I tell you, what, Rutgers is—they're is, a good team now. I think they're going to be completely one-dimensional against this Ohio State. They're not going to be able to throw the ball. They can't throw the ball against even bad teams. Against this Ohio State defense, I don't even think they're going to be able to run the ball well. So um, I, I, even though the under, I think the over-under is like 42, um, I would still take the under. I don't know if, the, if Vegas has still corrected enough. But this is not an explosive Ohio State offense. Um, Rutgers is not going to be able to throw the ball with Wimsat. He can run it. They've got a good running back. Um, I credit Shiano for them being 6-2. and two. But, you know, still, and they play tough defense. Not, they're not a great defense, and they're not like Penn State level, not even close, obviously. But um, Buckeyes favored by 18 and a half. Uh, I won't say I'm not, you know, that there's no chance that Rutgers could give them trouble because you know Shiano's going to pull out all the stops. We know that for sure. He's going to do everything that could backfire, could end up being like a blowout for Ohio State. Or, you know, they, they could find a way to keep it close at their place. I don't know, man. I hope the weather's okay and the Buckeyes are able to go out there, take care of business, and escape injury-free. Dave, you may be surprised by this, but in the chat, there are more Michigan fans than Rutgers fans right now. That's that's alarming. But Shocking. Um, Shocking. Uh, yeah, like we, we spoke about this, I think, a little bit, and that um, I call this the kitchen sink game. Uh, Shiano's always been like that. He will pull out all the stops. When you add into the fact that they're running, no offense to them personally, because I like Coach Shiano, kind of a high schoolish offense. Um, it's a bad matchup for Ohio State. Uh, Rutgers, 
Ohio State's a bad matchup for Rutgers. So, especially with the quarterback who can't pass, I think they'll pull out all the stops. The offense, if they go in there and don't make mistakes, I see 35-plus. If they go in there and make your standard, you know, two steps forward, one step back, um, it could be in the high 20s. But, I mean, this is obviously – it would be nice to have them get out early, I'll tell you that much, and then uh, have everyone be nice and rested. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on the injury situation this week. I don't think we're going to learn too much tomorrow when we speak with Coach Day. I'd love to tell all the good people out there, tomorrow we're going to learn all about what's going on with Latham Ransom and Kyle McCord and everybody else who's banged up, but we won't. We won't. Let's just go with low expectations and maybe Coach Day. Every once in a while, Ryan Day will surprise us. But then if he does say, oh, I think he is going to play, I expect him to play, then what What are you immediately going to think? Oh, that's BS. He's just saying he, he said that time and time again. Even with Travion, even when they came out and were like, no, he definitely is playing. It's not like we expect him to. I was still thinking, hmm, I need to see it first. Yeah. <laughs> not only that, I need to see him actually get a carry. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> he come out in his uniform, and I'm still like, nah, I'd like to see him get the ball. Right. That's what I mean. Like, until, like, I saw him, like, starting the game and he they handed him the pigskin, I was like, it's like 50-50 in my mind. Until they <laughs> so went to the sideline. Yeah. They went to the sideline afterwards and showed him with his helmet off. Then I was concerned after he had a carry, yes, Trayvon Henderson's in the game. I might mention again, we need – if anyone didn't think injuries make a difference, just check it out. We need to be at full strength when they go to Ann Arbor. Egmeka Egbuka, anyone on the offensive line, Lathan Ransom, we need to be healthy. And I will say the good news about Lathan is he was able to walk back on the field. No no boot. No, he wasn't wasn't on crutches. It was something serious, as we all know. For him to come back on the field, he would have been like on crutches or something like that. I'm not saying he would have stayed in the locker room the entire time. So we've seen guys have serious injuries that come back out on crutches. But no coming out on crutches. In fact, he was warming up to try to go back in the game. So that's a good contact. He was on that play in the flat where he kind of juked. And I think his foot gave or a little bit like that. So it's something muscular. Um, yeah, and he's been playing great. So we definitely need to get him back in the fold for sure. It's good having Dan Rubin in the fold on Mondays. I like this uh, development that uh, you suggested during football season. Maybe we'll do it during the offseason too. Um, not to put you on the spot, but uh, great stuff out of Dan Rubin. Um, another big audience. Thank you to all of you. We appreciate you guys very much. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, you're not already subscribed, please subscribe. It's free. It helps us out. Thanks again to Dan. Thanks to all of you. Hope everybody has a great rest of your day. Set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.